What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, Go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome to the Chase Thomas podcast, a Thursday night edition of the pod. Recording this late-ish, post nine o'clock. Aren't you a uh, Cubs fan, Robert, I want to say you are. I am. That's correct. Yeah. And they just beat the Braves this afternoon. <laughs> so a very testy series. So this is a, this is a uh, it, timing is excellent here with the Atlanta person and the Chicago person tonight. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. Um, it was a fun series, though. I mean, you know, they, they split. I think it could be a playoff series. Um, I'm looking forward to maybe seeing it again. It's a possibility. Um it just uh, some very unwritten baseball rule stuff happened. Uh, mm. AJ Minner gained his confidence again, which which I like. Um, Keigel getting his first win was cool, um, but also Brian McCann and Tyler Flowers. I just, <laughs> I, I don't know. And then Frank Cor just, I, I don't. You don't get the Braves broadcast, but I don't know how the Cubs broadcast is these days. But the Braves one is just, it drives me nuts on a nightly nightly basis. Uh, the Carey Frank Cor lineup is just, uh, yeah, that's that's not good. No. Um, speaking of things not good, uh, Robert, uh, not a, I'm not even going to say professional wrestling because I still enjoy a lot of what's going on in professional wrestling line right now. There's still a lot of great stuff. Um, if you just focus on wrestling Twitter, you get warped a little bit as to the state of everything. But I think we have to just talk about one particular point of wrestling Twitter, which is Seth Rollins, who is now even tweeting out things like hashtag team WWE, which I I don't know what he's doing. I, I have a lot of thoughts on Seth Rollins, but ultimately based on the week that he's had, everything that he's tweeted out, all the different Twitter spats he's gotten into, um, what is Seth Rollins thinking in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of understood it at first. You know, he's sticking up for himself. He's sticking up for the company. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about AEW recently. Uh, New Japan's had a lot of buzz. So, you know, I, I got what he was doing at first, but the fact that he's, you know, still going and it's Thursday is a little bit much. I mean, you really should never be in a you know Twitter war the entire week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he made some valid points, maybe. You know, I personally think he's probably more fun to watch than Will Ospreay, but, I, you know, I don't. I don't venture out of the WWE bubble too much, so it's really hard for me to give an unbiased opinion. So again, I 
I got what he was doing, and you know he wants he's the champion. He wants to be the face of the company. But at some point, you know, you just got to move on. The Osprey stuff. Okay, so if people are are you familiar at all with Will Osprey's uh, social media habits over the last couple of years? Uh, vaguely, yeah. Okay, well, he's not good at it. Is uh, a big takeaway here, and he doesn't do himself any favors, and he's just made some really really bad tweets and. Mm. It's it's not great because um, I Will Osprey the wrestler and just what he's become over the last couple of years. I still love Will Osprey the wrestler. Um, I think he's a future star. He's improving his look. He's getting bigger and bigger. He's doing the Jay White thing where it's like when I first saw him, I'm like eh, I, I don't see anything there. And then I mean, three years from now, I can be like, oh yeah, I can see this dude being a top guy. Um, so it, it's interesting how all that works. But from strictly a social media standpoint, I never thought I would see the day where I would side with Will Ospreay on a Twitter spat um, with another professional wrestler. But uh, here we are because Seth Rollins getting defensive and then where he lost a lot of people was the money stuff. When yeah. he went at Ospreay for the bank account, it was just one of those things where you're like, oh, oh God, Seth Rollins is kind of a dick. <laughs> and it's real. like, I don't know why he thought that was a good idea. Like what part of him thought that, that was going to be the the right thing to say there but if there's one thing a babyface should not go on twitter boasting about yeah, yeah he's making more money than a guy on the indies working his ass off because regardless of what you think about osprey and whether or not he's working as much as rollins because he took time off and this that and the other like the uh, osprey's busting his ass and has had to bust his ass for years to get to where he is and guys in the indies just work insanely difficult schedules for the most part and um they do it for very low money and just like no health insurance and all this other stuff. For So for in Rollins being a guy from ROH and everything else should know that and should understand like that, that struggle and that determination to get to where Osprey is and just where Rollins is now and appreciate the fact that, yeah, I have uh, money in my bank account, but like, I'm not going to flaunt that against an indie guy who's still in his mid twenties trying to get to where I am now, regardless of his attitude towards me. But like, Oh my God. Like when I saw that, it was just, mind-blowing that someone who has been around as long as Rollins has and someone who wants to be the face of the company is out here just boasting about his bank account like well I, I it was baffling that was the where I think he lost everybody yeah yeah I would agree that's that's definitely where it kind of started to take a turn to like you know you don't need to be doing this anymore and now like I said he's still going today what has he even done today I haven't even kept it I've only seen the thing this morning about Heyman um yeah i you know i i feel like rollins did something today but yeah the big news of the day was you know the Heyman and bishop stuff well we're gonna get to that in a second yeah there was a couple other things i want to talk about with rollins i i just can't there I, we have to unhash all of this it's unhash a thing unhash right <laughs> i don't know it's been a long day it's it's late on a thursday and i <laughs> did not sleep well last night um the john moxley stuff was also um very <laughs> strange i Okay, so CM Punk took his ball and went home. That is a fair assessment as to what happened eight years ago after, or I guess it was seven years ago Yeah, when he left. It's crazy how much time flies. I think it was eight years ago when the pipe bomb happened. Maybe Mm -hmm. it was was seven, six, I don't know. Time, it, it all, time is a flat circle. Yeah. I don't know how you can have that sort of characterization for john moxley and what he did because he was the ultimate professional 
he went to work every day. He saw it through. He didn't go home. He didn't complain. He didn't roll on the floor annoyed. He didn't do anything to the detriment of the company while he was there. He did his job and just his contract ran out. And then he left for another job where he could be a bigger star and do more of what he wanted to do. The idea that he took his ball and went home and just, I I didn't understand why Rollins would throw shade at Moxley in that way, especially with Renee Young still being in the company. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a little strange. And for this guy to be your brother and um, for you to do the hugging and all the other stuff, like I I don't believe that Rollins didn't know that Moxley was going to do something like this. I, I have a hard time believing that it wasn't apparent to them that he was going to wrestle somewhere else and that um, he was going to pop up across all different indies and a lot of other stuff. But to, to kind of throw him under the bus for the company and make it seem like he just went full anti WWE and kind of screwed everybody over and just is a quitter is um, unfair and just not fact, excuse me, not factual. And I don't know everything Rollins has done this week, even from a kayfabe standpoint, not coming out and saving his friend. He had The Undertaker do it instead. Like Roman Reigns getting beaten up by the 50-year-old man and Drew McIntyre. No, no Seth Rollins to be found. The other brother in arms, the only the lone brother left for Roman Reigns. He doesn't uh he doesn't make the save. No, it's The Undertaker. Um I don't know. I just think it's been a very bad week. I don't know if I've ever uh, seen a a worse week for uh, a Shield member uh who goes by the name of Seth Rollins. Just a bad week for Mr. Rollins. Yeah, I mean, the Moxley stuff was weird because he's, and he didn't really even have to explain why he left, but he did. You know, he's gone on podcasts, and I think, you know, the reasons that he wanted to leave are perfectly, you know, acceptable and reasonable. And yeah, I mean, they had to know that he was going to go wrestle somewhere else, right? I mean, especially with AEW popping up, and he's still, you know, in pretty good health, relatively speaking. And, you know, young enough to still, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they had to know that he was going to go somewhere and do this. So yeah, it's kind of a weird thing to say because, you know, like you said, he didn't just leave like CM Punk or like Stone Cold did uh, 15 years ago, or, you know, even like Sasha Banks seemingly has where they just kind of leave and are just up in the air. I mean, he, his contract ran out. They offered him a new one. He didn't want to take it. And that was that he fulfilled I mean, his obligations like it wasn't i, I just if there's a lot of guys in professional wrestling who've done a lot of stuff that you're like oh that wasn't professional that was that was a shitty thing to do i don't think anything you could say about what moxley did in the last year was shitty and even the podcast if you listen to the way he talks about it he's grateful for the company because he w- i think he understands that he would not be the draw that he is in aew if he was not in the shield and was not in the WWE for 10 years like he understands all of that. He was just frustrated about the creative and everything else. Like I don't I don't think he was over the top. I don't think he was just there was not vitriol in the way he described um the company. I think it was just like these are my honest thoughts. I wish for the, I wish the best for them. I have a lot of friends still there and all the other stuff, but it was just not going to work for me and it, I didn't agree with the system and I tried to fix it. I'm not bigger than the system, which kind of runs parallel to CM Punk's issues a decade ago. Um, and he went elsewhere because he has options to go elsewhere because his contract is up. I I just don't think he was like 
just um, throwing flames all over the place where it's just like John Moxley just drops a billion pipe bombs on his former employer. I just didn't think it was, it, it came off like that either in the Wade Keller interview. And then um, who was the first one? I've already forgotten. It was Wade uh, Keller and Jericho. Jericho. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it just, it seemed very overblown and just mischaracterized by Rollins. Yeah, I mean, unless there's, you know, something personal going on between them that we haven't heard about, which, you know, maybe, but it just, it seems kind of weird to take shots at him for no real reason. Um, also, the worst thing about Seth Rollins' uh, Twitter rise, maybe not the worst, but something that I very much don't like is Road Dog uh, cheerleading all of these tweets underneath. I don't know if you've seen these, but uh, Road Dog is um, an embarrassing person on twitter anyway and i've always made jokes about road yeah. dog and just um it's weird because i have to find a way to rationalize how good smackdown was two years ago and his role in that while also thinking about his twitter timeline every day it's a very tough thing for me to reckon with and um his basically like he's um the tell it like it is guy at a trump rally and yeah. I guess this makes Seth Rollins Trump in this analogy. But like he, every tweet underneath all this stuff, when anyone's talking about the other companies, he's just like, yeah, tell it like it is. This company's <laughs> the best. Like, I lo- you tell him, <laughs> Seth Rollins, out of baby. Like, and I just read it in, in Road Dog's voice. And I'm just like, oh, God, I just I can't do this. I'm I, I don't. Oh, right. You're the guy who gave Jinder Mahal like a nine month title <laughs> reign. There you go. Um, that 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 makes more sense now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And then Kenny Omega also making a bad tweet online. Like, it's just, I think it, I, this is a good way of putting a, a bow on this whole conversation with Twitter and uh, just wrestlers going at each other and just AEW getting petty about Evolve and WWE getting petty about AEW by putting on Evolve on the streaming network and all this other stuff. But, like, what the cynical side of me just can't help but think this is not going to get better. Kenny's going to go at them more. The young bucks are going to say stuff. Cody's going to do stuff. I I just, I I think we're going to see more and more back and forth and just both sides of the aisle, even wrestling fans, both sides of the aisle where they're just going to lose their minds and uh, their emotions get the best of them and just be irrational. Like I've already seen like some stuff with the Bischoff and this is a good lead into the next thing of just like the Bischoff um, Heyman stuff. We're like, there was a, 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 I'm not going to name any names, but there was a writer that I respect who was just like, I don't know how you could spin this as a negative um, for anything other than a positive for the company. And I'm like, well, yes, you can. You can just say it's an unknown. Like, it doesn't mean it's automatically a positive because there's no downside. Like, no, there's all kinds of downside. Like, we we know what Bischoff did in TNA in his last run in, like, the late WCW. Like, no, there's still, like, all kinds of unknowns. Like, he, they're still reporting events. There's all kinds of stuff that we just don't know what this means. But like s- saying that it could not be a negative is is silly. Like this could still be terrible. Like like Bischoff could make SmackDown exponentially worse than what it is now, which is just a throwaway show because of the wild card rule and just putting the same storyline on back to back nights and all this other stuff. But like um, now we're just losing our minds on that front. We're like, oh, they're gonna save the business. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. And then you have AEW fans like, oh, they're going back to the the well from the what year is this like everybody's talking about like is this 1995 all over again and it's just i'm already tired it's thursday i'm tired of all the wrestling stuff this week i'm tired of it 
Yeah. I mean, it's been a lot, uh, you know, and wrestling fans kind of just speak in absolutes all the time instead of just kind of letting things play out or having some nuance in the discussion. I mean, you know, personally, I'm excited for the Bischoff and Heyman stuff. I mean, I think, you know, they're two very good wrestling minds and, uh, you know, by having one do each show, show it kind of seems like both shows are going to be different, which is a positive that maybe we won't have the wild card rule for as long as, uh, you know, some people thought. But yeah, I mean, it's it's still an unknown. You're right about that. I don't know. I'm not excited because I think there have been smart people and creative before him. And I, I if Vince is still the, the final shot caller... I, I don't know why you should assume all that much is going to change. Like there's still going to be a bunch of writer turnover. There's still going to be the reports. I'm going to read Tuesday morning about Raw's script being revised in the middle of the show in late October, like yeah. stuff, regardless of who is running these shows, like I'm going to take the years and years of evidence that <laughs> Vince McMahon operates a certain way. And although they might have, significant power maybe more power than road dog had a couple years ago and um who was the uh, who's the other guy who's been there forever um who was he uh, what's his, his name um i think ryan I ward is the guy who uh ryan ward yeah but there was someone else um the raw writer who got in a fight with somebody recently oh um, yeah um i know who you're talking he was about a former wrestler and I cannot remember for the life of me, which, oh, is it David Kapoor? Yeah. Who it is. Yeah. Yeah. Ron. Oh yes. It's David Kapoor. That's what I was thinking of. Like those guys have been there forever. And, um, I, I don't know. I just, we, we're going to have to see. And it's, it's not a fun answer. And I think that's part of the reason that people aren't going down that road of just like, well, what's the point of talking about it? If we just say, I don't know to everything. And it's like, well, I mean, I, until they prove me wrong and these shows feel exponentially different, like I'm going to assume they're not. And the Fox stuff is fascinating that they want Bischoff reportedly, depending on who you trust and who you read. But like, I I don't know if the wildcard rule is going to go away. I hope so. If you're going to bring these two on to run these two different shows, it would make no sense to keep the, the rosters blended like this and just have the same storyline bleed over into multiple shows that, why would you have two positions like this if you're yeah like I, I don't understand the logic there i but then again logic has never been something this company's been very good at but if this ends the wild card rule then great and we go back to the brand split perfect then yes because i it's amazing how much i forget who's on what show every week i never thought i would get to this point like even the pre-brand split and all that kind of stuff but like it's so confusing. The only consistent is that like, oh, Roman and Shane are going to be on a lot of these shows. We're going to get a lot of Drew McIntyre. We're going to get a lot of the same stuff. And it's not the wildcard rule. is just a way of getting the same people on multiple shows and overexpose them, which was the problem with the pre-blend split and all that other stuff. So um, that's my biggest step one. Like, let's go ahead and phase out the wildcard rule. The only thing that's been good about it is the 24-7 title, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, you know, I kind of always felt like the wild card rule was going to be a temporary thing just to kind of get them through the summer because the summer's always, you know, a down period for them. Um, so hopefully that's true. I mean, I don't see how you do like a Survivor Series type of pay-per-view with the wild card rule still intact because you kind of ruin the entire concept. So, yeah, I'm I'm optimistic that Bischoff and Heyman coming in will kind of end the wild card rule and kind of go back to that firm brand split. And, you know, maybe 
another draft with, you know, Bischoff and Heyman able to pick the guys that they want, either on screen or off screen. I don't know. It doesn't seem to be that they're going to have their roles on screen. Um, Heyman's going to stick in his role with uh, Lesnar and then Bischoff. There were no plans for it right now. I'm sure he'll end up on screen eventually. But, yeah, I mean, you know, let them pick the guys they want on each roster and just kind of let them do their thing, see how it works. If it doesn't work, whatever, you're right back where you were anyway. Yeah, um, that's a good point. There's, they have nothing to lose it. And just seeing the, the tarps all over Raw this week, they definitely don't have a lot to, to lose, and especially the turnout for stomping grounds. But um, I think they're overthinking this by just bringing Heyman in full-time and bringing Bischoff full-time. I think they're overthinking all they have to do, which is they already have the best weekly wrestling show in the world, and it's on NXT. NXT the weekly programming it's easier for sure to do a one-hour show yeah but they figured it out they know what they're doing the takeovers are great people are excited about it obviously they found a rhythm and a way of booking a show that just works and it's a it's my favorite wrestling show every week it's the best wrestling show in the world they have the best pay-per-views i love nxt you have those guys in like why not pluck them from creative like you're plucking the talent just pluck the creative and who's ever running nxt just let them run raw and smackdown too just and that would help when you're bringing these nxt call-ups up anyway yeah just like oh let's make this work because it's been a gigantic waste of time for most of these people because there's no plan ec3 heavy machinery the war raiders but you can go up and down the majority of those guys when they i mean men and women when they get called up they just there's no plan they pretend they have a plan i i still love the triple h of like we already have like a a year's worth of storylines and thoughts planned out before we call up anybody and then you get the report of like alistair black got the call and they're like he are you shitting me and it's like no you're you're gonna be in there and it's like oh okay sure (laughs) why not and they clearly don't have a plan for alistair black and they're figuring stuff out with ricochet and all this other stuff but like i think they're overthinking it i would just go and look at who's been booking NXT. Okay, great. Then we're gonna make them. We're gonna put those people in charge of the main show too. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna find a way to pin, like, to just pull the pluck as many as we can from NXT, and then put new people in NXT and have them follow and just use that development as not just development for talent, but development for creative because they figured something out there. Like that works, undoubtedly. That is the only thing in this company that works. Not 205 Live, not SmackDown, not Raw, not their pay-per-view structure, not NXT UK either. Like, it's really just NXT. That is the only thing that runs smoothly that people are excited about. The only just, like, 100% success rate fans love it. I don't know of anyone that's just like, oh, ugh, NXT, that stuff. That Mm. that shit sucks. No one has that opinion. (laughs) I don't believe anyone does. And... I just think I w- that's all I would have done. I would have been like, okay, just hand the reins to Triple H. Just let him run both shows and let him pluck the creative from NXT. Just do that. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. But you know what the thing is, and this kind of branches off your point, is that you know, in terms of in-ring product, I think the main roster is probably as good as it's ever been. I mean, you have guys going out and putting on great matches pretty much every week on TV. It's just the storylines uh, are just this not. This is a good week for this. Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley doing their same ridiculous thing out of 2003. We had a squash match with the Viking Raiders and Luke Gallows and um, 
and Ken and uh, Mr. Uh, why, why am I blanking on his name? Carl Anderson. I always want to say Ken Anderson from Impact. Oh yeah, um, Carl Anderson and um just the the third the two second squash with uh drake maverick and r-truth like not a great week for seth rollins point of we have the best wrestling in the world i would say they have maybe the best talent i would agree with that but not the best wrestling every week yeah that's that's fair um but yeah i mean i just i think like i said a big part of it is just kind of getting storylines that people care about instead of you know whatever you're still doing with shane mcmahon who i actually liked a lot before wrestlemania i mean you know he would come around every so often and have pretty fun matches and then not be involved but now he's pretty much the company's top heel and taking up you know an hour of tv time between the two shows every week yeah let's just go ahead and get into that because (laughs) i have this on our list of things i want to touch on um actually no one last thing and then we'll move to shane and baron corbin the two most um i would say head scratching pushes in the WWE for 2019 outside of Lacey Evans. But um, is there a young mind wrestling mind, creative mind who should be given a shot to run raw or SmackDown? Like it's interesting when people are like, Oh, we got it. They're going back to the well of the nineties and the, with ECW and WCW and all that kind of stuff. But like, it's hard to like, it's not like there's an eight. We can look at it with like other professional sports leagues where we're like, oh, this assistant GM should finally get us a, sh- a shot. There's no Mike Zarin sitting out there that we're familiar with or like um, AJ Preller when he mm-hmm. was in the prowl. It's like when he was assistant GM in Texas, there's nobody like, oh, he should get a shot to run his own team. Like wrestling's different where like I wish I had um, just more information about the the bookers in other companies like an NJPW and uh, and not Ring of Honor because that's been terrible for a long time. But like just thinking about different bookers, progress, all that kind of stuff. Like I wish we knew more about different promotions, uh, bookers, and all that kind of stuff, and try and be able to get more information. It's like, oh, why don't they pluck somebody from this promotion? They obviously know what they're doing. They they book a good show. Why not give them a, a run? Like whoever's booking freelance wrestling, something like that. Like I wish we had more insight into um younger, more creative, more forward thinking wrestling minds that um were given that might have their own Bischoff and Heyman moments from the nineties. Like I, I, I wish there was more information readily available, but there just simply isn't. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Huh. I don't know. I wish, I, I don't know how you changed that. Uh, <laughs> Cause this is not how wrestling works, but, mm-hmm. oh, well, um, but Shane McMahon, Baron Corbin, two gigantic pushes. We learned this week that, uh, we may like, uh, <laughs> Baron Corbin may or may not be getting pushed because Vince McMahon thinks that women <laughs> swoon over Baron Corbin. Like, <laughs> That sounds like a very Vince McMahon thing. Um, but now we're getting uh, just a mixed tag match that no one wants at Extreme Rolls and a feud that continues. But anyway, um, what is more egregious, in your opinion? Baron Corbin's push and closing out pay-per-views against Seth Rollins for the top title in the company or Shane McMahon being the more physically dominant force against the company's number one big dog. What is more egregious for you? <laughs> yeah, like I said, I think it's Shane. Because, I mean, at least there's some merit in the Corbin stuff. You know, he's a guy that's going to be there every week, and he's one of your, you know, top heels. He might not be the best in the ring, but I do think there's some value in him. But, you know, Shane is 
probably what 50 or so and he is 49 yeah and you know when he was out doing the hell in the cell matches or you know false count anywhere that was that was a fine usage of him but you know to have him on tv every week and have him wrestling at every pay-per-view and singles matches against you know roman and it just it ah it's 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 not great no, it's not. And I think it's just funny where these are the little simple fixes where it's like, if Seth Rollins, why doesn't he think about this kind of stuff where it's like, do you, do you really believe that you should be main eventing pay-per-views against Baron Corbin with this kind of roster? Where, like you said, like there's more talent than ever in this company and there's no excuse for Baron Corbin to be in a main event slot. Like I think maybe seven years from now, but he's not ready. Like he's just not good enough wrestler to get a 15 minute title match to close a pro wrestling pay-per-view. Like he's just not like where Baron Corbin should be is the, like he should be an eight time United States champion before he gets in that spot. You know what I mean? Where it's like he gets years to really figure it out, figure out the heel character and all that stuff and just be a better in ring worker. But he's just not at the level of Seth, AJ, those guys, Ricochet, even, um he just doesn't belong there yet and that's okay but like Samoa Joe may be the best example where like if you did Samoa Joe versus Seth Rollins to close out that pay-per-view it's a good show yeah because the the show started out great but like the crowd was just like we don't want this and Samoa Joe is just better at Baron Corbin at every single facet and just he's awesome and he's just underutilized and that's where I would go for this summer it's just Rollins versus Joe and people would love it and they both can work and Joe's getting up there in age and you can capitalize on that and it's a fresh thing Rollins versus Joe like those are easy simple fixes where it's like you have these great workers who are doing nothing or underutilized and you're giving these opportunities to the Baron Corbins of the world who look he's fine he just there's just ceilings and there's just places in the card where people just don't belong yet and that doesn't mean that's always going to be the case but it just should not be the case right now and then you look at Shane and it's like what are you doing? What is the point? He's gone after a couple more years. Like what else? Like, why are you selling the idea that your 40 year nine year old dad is able to best yeah. your company's biggest baby face, former football star, like whatever. Like, he's yeah. just, I, I, I don't know why you're trying to make people suspend that much disbelief in an effort to get Shane over. Like, I, I just, I don't understand it. Like, do we need to bring William Regal out on NXT and just have him go over Adam Cole, make him tap out to show that he's still running things in NXT? Like, that's probably my favorite thing about NXT is that Regal has been the same and the authority figures do not get involved. And like, the authority figure stuff is just played out. Like, it shouldn't exist anymore. No, fans don't want to watch old these old timers and these authority figures get matches. And then I just, I, I don't know what you feel about this, but like, I think the Summer Sam main event is going to be Triple H and Stephanie McMahon versus Becky and Seth. Like, if I had to bet on what it will be, that would be my bet right now, and that scares me. And I, I don't know. These are simple fixes that they overthink. Like, it's not that hard. Stop pushing Shane. Take him off television. <laughs> Stop pushing Baron Corbin and just put him in a feud, a mid card feud against like Mojo Raleigh. I don't know. Like, just get rid of him. He'd be even great in the 24-7 role. Like, if you transitioned him out of that and just had him feud with R-Truth, yeah. it'd be enjoyable. Um, but it just, he doesn't belong there. And it's just um, insulting for us to have to sit through Shane McMahon overpowering Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin uh, getting main event matches against uh, Seth Rollins. It just, it's too, it's too much. 
Yeah, I mean, and I don't really know just kind of overall what happened because the Royal Rumble was a great event. WrestleMania was great. And just since then, it's just kind of all been downhill. I mean, and the weird thing about WrestleMania is they let kind of all the fan favorites get their wins. And I mean, is it just Mm -hmm. they didn't have anything else planned after they all ended their title chases? Is that what happened here? Or, you know, it's, it's weird to see because, you know, you kind of expect the kind of quality to go down after WrestleMania a little bit, but it usually resets itself by now. And, you know, hopefully on the road to SummerSlam, it will, but they, they gotta, they gotta fix some things. Do you think they ultimately will? Do you think SummerSlam is going to remedy, but but, like by SummerSlam, do you think we'll see some significant changes uh, to how things are being run on both shows? I mean, I hope so, because, you know, kind of running that mixed tag at Extreme Rules kind of makes it seem like that's the end of that feud. You know, having The Undertaker God, come I and help. So. Yeah, having The Undertaker come and help Roman kind of seems like that might be a way to end that, perhaps. I mean, it they they might suffer from having a couple too many pay-per-views, because they just have to constantly build to the next one instead of just letting things play out. And, you know, that's kind of part of the problem, too. Yeah, I um I want to believe, but I've been down this road so many times. I'm I'm 28, man. <laughs> like I've just I've watched this stuff for a long time. I've watched Vince McMahon's product for a long time. I uh I don't know. It I'm in wait and see mode for them all the time. That's part of the reason I love AEW's just arrival so much is that I don't know anything about how con the con family is going to run a professional yeah. wrestling promotion. I don't know how Cody's going to be over the long haul. I don't know how they're going to juggle everything. I don't know how this show is going to look on TNT. I don't know so much of this company and how that's going to operate. That That's exciting. I still feel like I understand the cog that is the WWE. And that's, I don't know. It, I, they just have to prove it to me that they're going to really make changes. And like, maybe they will. Um I would like to start by knowing who's on Raw and who's on SmackDown, mm-hmm. and that would that'd be great. Uh, utilize the Miz because he had the best segment of anyone in the company this week. His stuff with R Truth and Drake Maverick sensational. That yeah. is the kind of comedy that I love. R Truth and Drake Maverick have just been the best thing about this company for weeks now. But I also wonder what happens when they finally do move on. Like, does the title just disappear? Because I don't think this works with Titus O'Neil for a month and a half. I don't think this works with Mojo Raleigh or Robert Roode or whoever. Like, I think this works because Drake Maverick is an awesome character and just an awesome dude to have in the spot. And our truth is just a naturally funny, great dude. And the constipation stuff shouldn't work. <laughs> it wouldn't work for like 98% of the talent there. But for our truth, it's endearing and he just knows how to work a crowd. Like that's the forgotten thing with so many of these new workers that have just have so much in ring talent, but have no idea how to talk and work a crowd. Like ricochet is just awful. Mm-hmm. Like, unbelievable. That That's going to hold him back because he's in the perfect era from an in ring work style, but he's just awful <laughs> on the mic. And I want to like ricochet a lot, but I just, I think there is a ceiling for guys like that. And um, I don't know. Maybe he'll improve. Maybe he'll get better. We'll have to see. Uh, but the Miz, man, I, I have to get this out because the Miz is so good. He's been such a good babyface. He's not being utilized. I don't know where he should go, but he—they've got to find something good for him because he's earned it. 
I like him transitioning from just the perfect heel for years to this likable babyface that's able to work the crowd from both angles is very, very hard to pull off. Yeah. And I wish he had something good to do. And I just don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another guy that, like you said, they really have to figure something out for, you know, maybe I was going to say, go back to the Daniel Bryan stuff. Cause they never really resolved it. And now they have, you know, the opposite alignments, but Bryan's got the tag championships now. I, it's, He's a guy that you got to figure something out for. I mean, put him in the Intercontinental title hunt again, even if you, you know, you maybe want to have Nakamura defeat Balor wait, for it. Which, Raw? Uh, I mean, wait, I thought the Intercontinental title was on SmackDown with yeah, Balor. Yeah, because Balor's uh, going to face Nakamura for it, which is which is new and exciting. I mean, that was something good that they did this week, too. I kind of like the build to that. Um, but yeah, I mean. Do you just, know who the Raw Tag Team Champions are off the top of your head? I do. It's Revival because I have a Revival shirt. I'm a big Revival guy. So. Are you? Yeah, I am. Um, really big fan of the revival. Um, I have been since NXT, so I kind of supported them once they got up, and uh, was not pleased at WrestleMania when they lost. But you know, they got the titles back, and uh, they don't really ever get a chance to defend them. But now I think that the Usos are there. Um, hopefully, they get some time. Yeah. Um, hmm. I just, I'm trying to think of like the right thing for the Miz. I want him to do something good. And I just don't, you know what it might be? You know, it might be the best summer thing that that we all would love, but wouldn't be treated as like the top thing in the company. What's that? It would be the Miz versus Sammy and Kevin Owens. Oh yeah. No, that'd be great. I'd give be- them, I, I would love to give them just promo after promo for the remainder of the summer and just have a blood feud of Kevin Owens versus the Miz. Yeah. I think that's, that's what I would do. That would be awesome. Yeah. Because what Kevin Owens is doing right now and uh, Sami Zayn, who has competed against Kofi Kingston in some fashion for the last month and a half, <laughs> um, give them something different and give them someone who can, who is just flourishing as a babyface and they will only help in the babyface front because Kevin Owens did great things for Kofi too. Um, I I think that's what I would do. That's how we save the Miz's summer. Let, like, let's start that. Save the Miz's summer. That's what I want. <laughs> Yeah. Give him something to do, and that would be compelling, and it'd be fun. All wrestling fans would be like, oh, this is an awesome thing that the company does not give a shit about. Yeah, I'm down for that. Okay. If you had to bet on who the SummerSlam main event uh, title matches are going to be, what would you bet? Oh, man. Um, That's tough. Um. Because, you know, you, you kind of brought up the Seth and Becky against Triple H and Stephanie thing, which I would hope they didn't do mixed tag matches between the two of them at back-to-back pay-per-views. That'd be kind of stupid. Um, uh, is there not another pay-per-view before SummerSlam after Extreme Rules? Is that it? Yeah, I don't think so. Because Extreme Rules That's is, right. what, like mid-July, and then SummerSlam will be mid-August. So They messed uh, everything up because I was so used to Money in the Bank in July and all this stuff. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I I really have no clue who Rollins is going to face after he faces Corbin. You know, I I thought maybe you could turn AJ Styles at some point, but now he's got this thing with the club unless you turn all three of them, which maybe. um, So, you know, maybe you could do Styles against uh, Rollins, but they also just did that not too long ago. So, I mean, it's... They they don't have a lot of good heels on Raw that you would really want to see go against a guy like Rollins, and I don't think Lesnar's going to cash in yet. So it's really tough to try and figure it out right now. 
Yeah. Um, I I still think that this can be a mixed tag and he won't have the title on the line at SummerSlam. But for SmackDown, I think we're getting Kofi. I mean, what I would do is, I guess these are two separate things. If I had to bet, it'll be Kofi versus like Randy Orton. That seems like a SummerSlam thing where they bring Randy Orton back into the fold and he just pops back up. for Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, But if I were booking it, I would spend the summer getting Andrade ready. Yeah, no, I'd be I'd be fine with that. I mean, I'd be fine with Kofi and Orton too, really, because Orton is fine, you know, in his role these days, where he only works a couple matches every couple months, and you know, the story there with Kofi, obviously dating back however long, it's there. Um, but yeah, no, I'd be fine with Andrade as well. Has Buddy Murphy had a SmackDown match yet? No, I don't think he's had any. Like matches in general, I think he was in the uh, the fifty man battle royal. That's about it since God. WrestleMania. Yeah, God, he was so good last year. I I've, I very much enjoy Buddy Murphy. I'm a very I'm a very big Buddy Murphy guy. Yeah. Just, that sucks. Um, little things like that, man. They can fix it really easily. Yep. Just put him on TV. Give him fifteen minutes. It's not that hard. Um, all right, man. Well, this was great. Robert, I appreciate you making the time tonight. Is there anything that you'd like to plug before you get out of here? Um, yeah, I write about the Big East at SB Nation's Big East Coast Bias. Uh, UConn's back, so that's exciting. Real exciting time for the Big East. Uh, write about the SEC at Team Speed Kills, also on SB Nation. And then if you want to read my uh, wrestling stuff, barberschairdigital.com. We do a, a weekly recap of the Ron Smackdown, and then we do a podcast every week where we talk about Ron Smackdown a little bit and then go back and watch the shows from 2003 this week. So it's called the Ruthless Aggression Podcast. Uh, that's also a lot of fun. All right. We'll go check all that stuff out. Robert, thank you so much for making the time tonight. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Yeah, thanks, Chase. It was a lot of fun. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second and leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase Double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.